You're listening to the Live Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church family. My name is Marcy Rahill, and I am thrilled to have this opportunity to open God's Word with you this morning on this Mother's Day. So as Kate mentioned earlier in the announcements, I realize that Mother's Day can be a tough time, right, for lots of different reasons, and I get that. And um, I would tell you that in my own experiences as a mom, as a daughter, there's been a lot of difficulties. Between my sisters and I, the four of us, we've had nine miscarriages. I get it, the pain of miscarriages. I've had struggles with my kids. I love my kids, but you know, parenting is hard. I've had struggles with my kids throughout the years, feeling like maybe a failure as a mom, or am I getting it? Sometimes one of those days is hard because we've lost our moms, and I've sat with both of my mom and my mother-in-law and watched them slip into heaven, and I get that, that's hard. So there's a lot of difficult things, and I wanna make sure that you know that we recognize that, and that we're with you, and that you don't stand alone. Sometimes the battle is even just our own expectations, right, of ourselves or expectations of the women in our lives. And I pray that you will find some real freedom from God from those things. I also want to invite you to know that Life Church Livonia, we are a family of God. We talk about that a lot. And that as much as you're willing to allow us into that pain and suffering that you may be having, um, know that we would love to be there and support you in that. But Alex talked last week about suffering. And it was an awesome sermon, and if you haven't listened to it, I'd encourage you to do that online. And um, so just know that we hear you and we see you. I also want to say to the moms, this is your day. Happy Mother's Day. It's an awesome day to celebrate an awesome you. And being a mom, I've said for years and years and years, is the hardest, most wonderful thing that you will ever experience in your life. It stretches your limits. It teaches you the depth of love that's different than any other possible relationship in your life. And um, nothing made me realize how desperately I needed Jesus until I became a mom. <laughs> Suddenly I realized I'm so aware of all my own sin, of all my own limitations, but I also became so aware of this deep, deep love that God must have for me when I realized how much I loved my kids differently than I ever had loved another relationship in my life. And so I'm grateful for that deeper glimpse of God's love, which I think for me has been the overwhelming gratitude that I have with the gift of motherhood. Here's a little story for you. Uh, my oldest son, Alex, was born in 1992. And at that time, my husband, Alex, and I were living in Southwest Detroit doing urban ministry. And across the street from us was a crack house now, crack was a real big pandemic, epidemic, really, in the 90s. And um, there was a lot of violence and a lot of activity that wasn't helpful to the people there, to our neighborhood, to the community at large. And so, in some ways, it would be easy to perceive these crack dealers as enemies, right? Enemies of our neighborhood, enemies of our family's security. And I remember holding my newborn son, my only son at that time, and looking out the window at all of this activity across the street and, um, and just thinking that, you know what? God gave his only son for people that brought a lot of destruction to his world as he intended it. And it, it just struck me. And as tears just poured down my face, I was, God, this is how much you love us. 
that you would give us your only son. It's a beautiful God is our father, and it's a beautiful picture of fatherhood. It's a beautiful picture of motherhood, and I'm so grateful for that deep, deep, sacrificial love of God. So we've talked a lot at Life Church about emotions, and love is one of those, right? And how emotions are a gift to us, and that we're made in the image of God. And today I want to um, recognize that as moms, um, we can be pretty emotional on the extremes, right? We love like we've never loved. We have joy like we've never felt. We have so much pride when our kids are doing their ballet recital or getting the most improved award at school or just have a really good day. And um, so all of those emotions are so strong and so vivid and so real. On the other hand, there's also the emotions of sadness and fear and anger and impatience that are always also so real. And so today I want to talk to all of us about one of those emotions that is a very powerful one that I've experienced as a mom. I think you all have experienced as a mom. In fact, I think our whole society as a whole is deeply experiencing this, and that's the emotion of fear. So fear is a prominent emotion in our culture, always has been, but particularly since the COVID pandemic. The fear that we've experienced has crippled families. It's brought destruction to churches, to relationships. It's created a lot of loneliness and separation all over the place. So for mom, fear enters in from the moment you find out there's a baby in your belly. Right? It's that it's the fear of, oh my gosh, is my pregnancy going to be okay? Am I going to have a miscarriage? Am I going to be able to carry the baby full term? Is the baby going to develop in all the ways that I hope and dream they would be? So it starts, right, so early. And I always think when I'm listening to moms, new moms who are pregnant and anticipating the arrival of their first one and how they're expressing so many fears. And in my heart, I'm thinking, oh, sweetie, it's only just begun, right? Because as they grow, fear also can grow. We have fear about the birth and how that's going to go. We have fear about the health and safety of our children. We have fear about their schools. Will I find the right school? Will it be a good school for them? Will the teachers love them and care for them and respect them? We have fear about their friends. We have fear about influences that we can't control. We have fear about decisions they're going to make, and it starts from the time they're born, and that, that fear never stops, even as they're adults. In fact, sometimes I think parenting adult children is a greater challenge for fear because we have less influence and control. We have fear about financial pressures. You know, having a child brings a lot more financial pressures in our life. Daycare, right? And do we have enough income for our family to continue to grow and have more, as many kids as we might want to? We might have fear about whether our marriage is going to make it through the challenges of parenting. It stretches us and it stretches our marriages. So life is filled with fear for all of us, for moms, for dads, but really for all of us. And so I think this is a word that God has for all of us today. Although my examples will probably lean toward moms a little bit, I just want you all to know that God has something for all of us to hear, um, as this is something that he has deliverance and um, promises and hope for us in this area. So I'd like to offer you a truth that this sermon will be focused on today, and it's from 2 Timothy 1.7, and it's this verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
See, when you invite this loving God, this almighty God into our lives, we can experience the power of his Holy Spirit and be able to overcome this spirit of fear. Let's just pray for a minute and go before the Lord before we dive deep into his word. Almighty God, our Father, who is so perfect, and Jesus, our hope, our Savior, Holy Spirit, our guide, and our comforter, we welcome you into this morning as we are fearful people. We just confess that to you, Lord. We're fearful. But I'm confident, Lord, that in this room today, all of us are either in the midst of a fearful situation, Lord, we're just coming out of a fearful situation, or Father, we're about to enter into one. We acknowledge our need for you, God, because we can be at war with fear. But you, God, you are not a God of fear. I pray that as we open your word today, that you would encourage us with your power. You'd remind us of your love and you would replace our fears, Lord, with your peace. I pray, God, that you'd meet each person here in the way that they need to find you the most today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So fear, it's a powerful thing, right? Sometimes it saves us. Fear is good. God created us to be fearful. We should be fearful when we're walking close to the edge of a cliff. We should be fearful when the ball runs out into the street and our kids are playing there. So fear provides protection, and that's a good thing. <clears throat> but sometimes fear can create what I would call spiritual amnesia. We can begin to forget about the goodness and the faithfulness of God. I become very forgetful. You see, life is always going to bring challenge. It's always going to bring grief. It's always going to bring risk. It's always going to bring discouragement. Those are natural parts of the rhythm of life. So how do we respond to fear in a way that brings life and not death, in a way that brings health and not dysfunction, in a way that helps our hearts to trust Christ? instead of walk away from him because we feel as though he's abandoned us because things are difficult. So how do we fear the Lord and not fear our circumstances? Lifelong question, right? Age-old question. And we need to go back to that over and over again. At least I do. So I guess my question for you is how do we fear less? We don't need to be fearless. Fear is a gift given from God for our own self-preservation. But how do we fear less? and in the right context. So our scripture we talked about, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. The Apostle Paul wrote this verse to his young and timid friend, Timothy, because he wanted Timothy to know that the, the fear that he was experiencing, this wasn't from God, because God has not given us a spirit of fear. So the spirit of fear that he was experiencing, that is incongruent with who God is. So let's look for a minute at the spirit of fear versus the emotion of fear. They're very different things. Genesis 1.27 tells us that um, we are made in the image of God. We talked about that, how we're made to have these emotional responses. And it's okay that we feel fear. However, when we let that spirit or feeling of fear control us, that's where we enter into sin. It's where we enter into bondage. And fear moves from being an emotion to becoming our enemy. See the difference there? When we let fear control us, it goes from being an emotion to becoming an enemy and living in the sense of a spirit of fear. 
Fear doesn't have the final word, and I want to encourage you in that. Turn to your friend next to you and say, fear doesn't have the final word. Because we have to have the people around us remind us of that, right? In these moments that it just seems so palpable. Everything in life feels like so challenging and difficult. And we need to remind each other, listen, fear doesn't have the final word. And hopefully the things that we talk about today will be good reminders that you can give to each other in those moments of battling that spirit of fear that wants to be so powerful. So what does God give us instead of this spirit of fear? He gives us three things. The first thing he gives us is power. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. When I think of power, the first thing that my mind goes to, there's many things you might think of and they could all be right. The first thing my mind goes to usually is creation. I think about things like hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis and all of these things that are so powerful and their power can be very, very destructive. But what if there's something that's more powerful than the storm? Maybe you have circumstances that feel like storms in your life. I have had many circumstances and some still that are storms in my own life. One of those on the motherhood theme, um, when I was 30 years old, I was pregnant with my first son, Alex. My sister was 34 years old and um, she was diagnosed with colon and liver cancer. Uh, this happened right after having a little baby boy who was just two months old and she had a four-year-old daughter as well. I was filled with fear, like paralyzed with fear about her dying. I'd never experienced cancer before in my close family or even with a close friend. And I was filled with fear about her dying and her leaving her husband and these two young kids um, and leaving us. And my faith was really challenged. And I thought, where is God? Where could God be in all of this? You see, in these moments, these are the moments that it's easy to get lost into the spirit of fear and forget God's goodness. This is when my spiritual amnesia gets really busy and it makes me become a very forgetful person. These storms have potential to bring some level of destruction or problems, but I've learned over and over again that God is bigger than the storm. I constantly have to remind myself of that. Two weeks ago, Alex Jr., who we affectionately refer to as T. Alex in the Haitian language, um, Alex Jr. was talking about Jesus walking on the water. He read this scripture from John 6, 16 to 21, and it says this. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat and walking on the water. Did you hear that? He was walking on the water, right? And they were frightened. Of course they're frightened. There's a storm going on and here's this person walking on water. They'd never seen anything like that. But when he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately it says they reached the shore where they were heading. Let's talk about that a little deeper. I'm sure, as Alex mentioned last time when he preached on this, that the disciples were expecting Jesus to meet them later in another boat, right? And they were terrified 
when the storm came and, that, and even more so until Jesus said, it is I. Like, was this a ghost walking in the water? Who was walking in the water? But he says to them, it's I, it's me, it's Jesus. Don't be afraid. And you know what? They knew who Jesus was. They knew he was the Messiah. They believed him to be the Messiah, the son of almighty God. And so for them, they were willing to believe him and accept him into their boat. And they took him right in where they were. When the question is asked, what is the spirit of power and how do I access that? I want to remind us the spirit of power is this. It's the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of the storms that feel so big of heaven and earth, and yet he's in control of them. He has sovereignty over them. The disciples did three things to access Jesus's power. First, they made a decision to trust him. They recognized his power when he says it is I, and they invited him into the boat. During the storms in our lives, just like with those disciples, Jesus is calling our names. Like when he called to them, like Peter and John, it's me, it's me, Peter, it's me, John. I want you to know that Jesus is saying, it's me, Marissa, it's me, Tracy, it's me, Kevin. It's me, Linda. Do you hear me? I'm calling your name because I have deliverance for you from the storm that's in your life. He'll calm the waters, maybe not in a way that you choose, but in a way that he chooses. And he can bring a peace that passes understanding. And we're going to talk later about what is that peace that passes understanding. So we have his power when he's with us and we invite him in to the boat just like the disciples did and listen to him calling our name and reassuring us don't be afraid I'm with you and there's an act of faith to say okay Jesus come on in so my question for you is are you willing to take him into your boat are you willing to take him into your storm are you inviting him into this storm that seems so difficult whether it's in your heartache with your children with your friends whether it's in your workplace whether it's in your finances, your relationships, your fears for your kids, for your health, all kinds of things in our lives. Do we believe, really believe, that his power is bigger than these storms? During my sister's battle with cancer, which lasted about 18 months, um, I clung to that. I feel like God really spoke to me in the moment of fear that consumed me at the beginning and said, I got this mercy. And I really clung to that with him. And time and time again, we saw him show up because that's what he does. So when you invite this powerful I am, this God of all gods, into your life, you will experience the power of his Holy Spirit and you will be able to overcome the spirit of fear. The second tool that Paul tells us that we have is love. Again, our verse says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. So what is this love? Oftentimes, for those who've read scripture before, you might um, jump right to 1 Corinthians 13, which is probably the classic chapter on love in the Bible. And I want to do that this morning. Let's look at this generous, selfless love of God. And let's see, where does fear and love have some kind of interplay going on here? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6, in the message version, I really enjoy it because it's kind of a, a fresher way um, of looking at these words that maybe for some of us are familiar. It says this, Love never gives up. 
Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep a score of sins of others. It doesn't revel when others are groveling. And it takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. I love that line. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Wow! What a dream list, right? Wow, if I only could love like that, if I only could always, always, always experience love like that, then life would be great, right? Our human nature, though, is so very different than that. And so this might sound more familiar to how we love, at least for me, right? My love quits when things get hard. I don't want to have the hard conversations. I'd rather just walk away and quit. My love puts myself and my desires first. I want what others have, and instead of rejoicing with them, I'm going to feel resentful and jealous. I wish I had their house. I wish I had their marriage. I wish I had their kids. I wish I had their money. I wish I had their life. I am filled with pride and arrogance. I definitely live in a me-first culture. I am quick to get angry when things don't go away. In fact, go my way, excuse me. In fact, I'm mad when the drive-through line is slow, or I'm mad if I have to wait online for something when I'm trying to call someone. I love to keep a mental list, maybe even a list on our phones or in a notebook, of all the ways that I've been hurt by other people and people that I think should love me, that should know better. I am glad when people get what I think they deserve rather than do the hard work of seeking truth. It's easier just to accuse. These are two really contrasting lists. Which one resonates more with you this morning? If I'm honest, I might even apply different relationships, or different lists of different relationships and varying moments in my relationship with any one person. So you might say, in some relationships, I feel more like the list that God wants, and in other relationships, I Definitely look at more of this humanity-driven list that's very different from what God wants. It's challenging. This love is so unusual, and it begins with God. God modeled this extravagant love to us. You know, God, it doesn't say God loves. It says God is love. It's who he is. He can't even separate himself from it. Love is who God is. It's like another name for God. So we could say, Sally, let me introduce you to my friend called Love. And we're talking about God, right? Because that, it's who he is. So they talked about earlier in this story with the drug house across the street from us. Um, I was reminded about how God's love is a very sacrificial, unconditional love. He doesn't just tell us he loves us. He shows us he loves us. So let's look at that list again in 1 Corinthians 13, up against who God is. This is how he loves us. God never gives up. God cares more for you than for himself. God doesn't strut. God doesn't have a swelled head. God doesn't force his love on us. God is never me first. God doesn't fly off the handle. God doesn't keep score of our sins. God doesn't revel when others grovel. God takes pleasure 
in the flowering of truth. This is his gift to us. This is the love that gives us power over fear because of the presence of God in our life. His love is bigger than all of these things that we fear. You are loved. Can you close your eyes for a minute? Even if you're in your own home by yourself, I just want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to listen to these messages that God has for you in whatever storm you may be facing and whatever fears you are fighting. God's not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love. And this is what he's saying to you. I'm here. I see you. Don't be afraid. I'm not leaving. I am not giving up. I forgive you. I don't condemn you. You are approved of by me. You are not alone. Don't fear. My love has conquered evil. The battle has been won, and I love you. Go ahead and open your eyes. I hope that in that moment you heard his voice. There's been many times in my marriage and my parenting where I feel like, oh, Lord, my love has just run out. Like everything in my humanity is empty and I feel like I have nothing to give. In fact, what I'm giving is all the wrong stuff, right? I'm learning more, leaning into that humanity list, right? And I have to lean into God and cry out to him. And he says, hey, Marcy, let my spirit of love empower you. Lean into me, accept me, invite me into your circumstance and let me change the way that you're responding to this and give me a chance to show up and show my love that's more powerful than all your fears. So when he's with us and we have his love, it's just a reminder that there is no reason to fear. And the, th the other thing that Paul tells Timothy that he has accessible to him is God has not given him a spirit of fear, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and lastly, a sound mind. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm fearful, I'm awake a lot at night. I'm calculating bills and I'm not sure how we're going to pay. I'm worried about how to solve a problem that might create a bigger situation if we don't solve these problems. I run these scenarios through my head over and over and over and over again. I'm trying to figure out how to fix something for somebody else that maybe I have no power in. I have fear about health concerns for myself or for someone else. Those things, they keep me awake at night. I don't know, Debbie, any of you stay awake at night when fear is going on and having a field day, right? And having a field day in your head. And then what happens the next day you wake up tired and exhausted and your resources are like even worse, right? So it can become so destructive, this, um, this mind battle that we have with fear. So we can't stop fear from coming. It's going to come, but we can stop it from taking up resonance with us, right? So we have a choice on whether or not we're going to let it rule us or not. But here's a verse that's been really helpful for me in battling fear. And um, it may be very familiar for some of you. It's Philippians 4, 6 through 9, and it says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends and passes all understanding, will guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus. 
So what are the steps to having a sound mind? How do we have a sound mind? The first thing we do according to this verse, and this is just one of many solutions, but these are important, is to pray. It tells us don't be anxious about anything, fear not. Tell God our prayers and petitions. Do you guys know what petition is? How many of you have signed petitions before, right? So it's names, name after name after name after name after name that are all saying to whoever the powers that be are, we are all saying over and over and over and over again that this thing is important. And God welcomes that. He longs for that from us. He wants us to petition him about the things that are most important in our lives. Not to tell him how to fix it, not to tell him what kind of solutions we expect him to bring into our lives, but to tell him those burdens, those fears that we're carrying in our heart that need addressing because we're, we're drowning, our minds are drowning in this captivation of fear. My tendency is to want to pray and tell God, okay, God, this is what I want and how I want you to do it. And that's really not prayer. A heart of submission and prayer is humbling ourselves before the Lord and saying, Lord, I know you know better. I know you are good. I don't want to have spiritual amnesia. I want to remember your goodness and your faithfulness in the past and know that you're here with me now. No matter how these situations and circumstances work out, God, you are still good and you are with me. And we give him those things that we're fearful of. And then it says, if we do that, that we're going to receive his peace. This peace that passes all understanding. I remember when my mom was battling cancer, a battle that she lost um, for a year and a half. I had this deep sense of peace, not because of the circumstances, because they were horrible, but because of who God is. And in fact, she said to me um, the night before her surgery that was going to let us know if it was cancer or not, we're all gathered around her, all my siblings and spouses, and we anointed her with oil and prayed over her. And she said, promise me one thing, that no matter what happens tomorrow, you won't stop praising the Lord. Wow, what powerful words of having God's love over fear and God's power over fear and not having to let my mind get lost in all of the fears that I had about what could happen to my mom. God knows how to give us this peace that might not make sense, but it passes all understanding. And here's the cool thing. In that step of God giving us peace, there's nothing we do. It's all Him. There's nothing we can do to make that happen outside of submitting ourselves to him and sitting like little kids on his lap and saying, Lord, I need you to have this. I need you to hold this. It's beyond our understanding. So our circumstances might dictate hopelessness. Um, they might dictate fear. In this situation with my mom, she did lose her battle with cancer. It did feel hopeless at the, at the very end. But God's presence was so powerful in that moment. It was palpable. And people who were in that room felt and experienced the power and love of God. That's what he gives us. He doesn't say things always work out the way we want. But he says, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because as Alex talked about last week, so many things happened that were never part of God's original plan. That life will be hard and difficult. So we give God our anxieties. We give him our worries. We give him our fears. And then the third step is that we fill our minds with things that bring life and not death. Instead of thinking of all those things that are bothering us, what are the things we can think of instead? In the message of verse 8 and 9, 8 and 9, it says it this way. Summing it all up, my friends, I'd say y'all do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true and noble and reputable 
and authentic and compelling and gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise and not things to curse. So that's what I try to do now at night when I wake up and my mind wants to go down that rabbit hole of fear. I try to say, Lord, what are the things I can think about that are true, that are honest, that are good, that are noble, that are gracious, that are compelling. And I'm going to just keep giving to you, giving to you over and over and over the things that are concerning in my own heart. I saw this post on Facebook one time from a friend and it said this, Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about the things you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about the things that he can change. So let's be intentional to guard our hearts and our minds from the things that can create more fear and instead let God into those spaces. So again, the battle plan for the sound mind of these three things to pray, to receive God's gift of peace, and allow God to renew our mind and fill it with his truth, not with all the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, but fill it with his truth and who he is. So when we invite Jesus, here's our big idea. If we walk away with nothing else, I want you just to wrap it up in this big idea that as we invite Jesus in, his power and his love and his mind, we can fear less. Let me close with this final scripture. Many of you are coming today with some sort of fear in your heart, and, and I am, and I, and I have plenty actually going on right now. So I want you to think about what are the situations in your life that make you captive to fear? And where is fear maybe your enemy? God's come to rescue us from being captive to fear. He is our deliverer. He's come to rescue us from the emotion of fear um, and the spirit of fear not being in control. Jesus came to this earth to free us from that and more. And maybe you're stuck in that spirit of fear. Maybe you've never received Jesus' new gift of life. Maybe you've never invited him into the boat. And so I would like to encourage you to pray with us. Um, if you have questions about that, I want to ask you to go ahead and talk with Kate or Bettina or Alex or Alex Sr. or talk to me, talk to your small group leaders, talk to the staff, talk to people you trust that you know have this Jesus thing that you're just trying to figure out. And I want to invite you um, to let God be the one who brings you those answers and deliverance from the spirit of fear. So will you pray with me? Lord, I'm so grateful for your huge act of love in the gift of your son, Jesus, that I don't need to fear, but I can live my life in your power, in your love, in your peace of mind. I'm inviting you, Jesus, into my life and into my storms and help me, Lord, to fear less and trust you more. And Lord, for all of us, some of us who've known you for a long time and have let the spirit of fear consume us, we've forgotten, Lord, about the power that you've given us over fear, and I'm sorry for that, God. We've forgotten how much you love us. Let us know the truth of your scripture, Lord, in Romans, where you say, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May we walk in that freedom and that power of your spirit 
and in your love. Fill our minds, Lord, with your peace and your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today and happy Mother's Day.